Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Hi, how's it going? Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. In this episode, I sat down with Georgie Lawler, a breathwork practitioner and performance coach, women's fitness coach, storyteller, and motivational speaker. In the show, she talks about core confidence, how less is more, and how breathwork really will transform your life and make you the best version of you. My name is Tim Bosworth. And this is the Kindness Podcast. I'll just take it from you. Yeah, sure, no problem. Well, listen, um, here we are in 2022. Oh my goodness. Um, I can't believe we are here, but uh, like most things, uh, life just seems to go rather quickly. Um, the adage is when you're having fun, and certainly today, I think I am going to have some fun uh, with my next guest. Um, as I said in the uh, sort of pre-trailer, um, that this one really is going to be the one to start your year. Uh, I really do believe so. Uh, my next guest is uh, Georgie Lawler, breathwork practitioner, women's fitness coach, uh, storyteller, and I would say motivational speaker as well. Lots of stories. Um, I think we all have them, but uh, certainly I think this one is going to be the one that you really need to pay attention to. Um, most people in January start their year with New Year's resolutions, the goals, objectives. If you listen to this one, I really strongly believe that you will start your year in the best way possible. George Lawler, welcome to The Kindest. Hi, thank you for such a wonderful introduction. No, pleasure, pleasure. It was really, really lovely. And yeah, I, I am quite astounded you know, that we're into this new year as well. Doesn't it bring about such uh, an energy, the new year of so many insights? Everyone gets so introspective of, you know, what's your opinion on the whole new year, new you kind of thing? Um, no, I don't think you need to be a new you. Me I think neither. You, I think you need to, to be the same person you are. Mm -hmm. um, yes, there is an industry of people setting goals and setting yeah. objectives. Um, health is a big one for most people. Um, it, it gives them an anchor. Mm. Um 
In fact, a, a book that I definitely, you should definitely read if you haven't already, um, Tiny Habits, um, yes. if you haven't heard already. And, and for those listeners out there, it's a really interesting book by um, a Stanford University professor called BJ Fogg. And he's a huge exponent on behavior change, as I'm sure you're fully aware, Georgie. And um, the idea is that you don't just set out that huge, big task and that goal. It's when you just break that goal into a tiny habit. Well, yes, those micro wins, exactly. isn't it? And it's exactly. also, I think, you know, a lot of people miss out the area of perception because what are you actually perceiving as a win is almost just as big as the win itself because you know if someone else is saying oh that's really really great but if you yourself are like well no it doesn't feel that feel that great you know i i don't i don't think that's really good enough will anything ever be good enough Mm -hmm. and is Mm -hmm. that maybe perhaps maybe from the new year's resolution we're like okay what did i learn from last year and and what could i shift Mm -hmm. about how i'm going to approach this sense of awareness and perception And, and that really is the anchor of all breathwork, of everything that I, I teach mm-hmm. is awareness. That's why I love the breath. It is the gateway to coming into our awareness, to having this heightened perception of our internal state. Mm-hmm. And every breathing pattern uh, sort of represents an emotional state. Every emotional state has a breathing pattern. And if you can understand where you primarily sit, maybe you can understand a little bit better sure. what experience you'd like to shift into. And then perhaps that perception might blossom a little bit. Someone once said to me, I don't know if you agree with this, that you'd never speak to yourself, um, you know, or sorry, you'd never speak to your best friend how you sometimes speak to yourself. Right. In terms of that internal voice. Well, we can be so hard on ourselves, right? right? Sometimes right. it's, and I know I've experienced this myself where, mm. you know, those perfectionist tendencies where nothing is ever good enough and everything becomes tense. You can do all the practices in the world, but it's never enough. You're never doing enough. You're always lazy and all the rest. Whereas everyone else thinks, you know, you're, you're championing sure. and, and going for it. Um, but I think that self-perception is is really, really a an anchor, a really important place to start. And you can only get there with self-awareness. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And perhaps you can give some tips and tricks for those listeners out there to really start that um, that new year from, from a jump point forward. Um, but before we go on to that, I, I want to uh, get an understanding of who you are, who Georgie mm-hmm. is. Um, I want to, and this is interesting for me, um, because the idea of... Um, the concept of the kindness is trying to get an understanding of patterns. Yeah. Um, my background is in psychology. I'm interested in people. And I think patterns show not so much future behavior, but it allows us to get an understanding of where that person came from and how they got to where they got to. So if you wouldn't mind, just, just take us back to uh, the, the origin story, if we were to use a, a, a Superman or a, so certainly a superhero analogy. Take us back to the origin story. Um, who is Georgie Lawler? Where did she come from? Where are you born? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was born in Oxford originally. um, And my mind is jumping to a really significant couple of years that actually were the impetus for this whole journey I've been on with the breath. And I was an actress my whole life. So ever since I was about four, five, uh, I had my mindset. I was going to perform. I was going to be an actress. Yeah, I used to watch Annie on repeat, um, you know, between ages four and seven. Um, even my brother, bless him, is two years older than me. He still knows every single word to Annie the musical. And um, 
not through choice and hates it that he like accidentally kind of sings along when the soundtrack comes on um i love it but um yeah i decided age five that's what i'm gonna do i want to perform and um tell stories i suppose and just live in this sort of blissful uh imaginative world it just all seems so exciting were and there was so much connection were your parents you know? performers actors no, in that space no, no not at all um looking back i think it was my way of escaping any sort of thing that that i didn't understand at the time or okay. that that i i didn't feel um i could connect with and music and movement and stories i could connect with and so it was something that that really brought me life and and really gave me energy so anyway long story short uh, i went through professional acting training left secondary school at 16 really rigorous ballet um acting singing you know sort of starting at 7 a.m finishing at 7 p.m at, at wow. school very very disciplined and i'm so grateful for that because it gave me a drive that that i don't think i'll ever lose and that's been very very advantageous through anything that i that i seem to set my mind to um so when most you know 17 year olds are out partying i was sort of in a studio till seven eight o'clock at night doing fuetes and, and just practicing practicing right. practicing and a teacher once told me you know if you're not practicing someone else is wow. and uh, it was this sort of just grind that i got into that, that brought about some unhealthy habits actually but I am grateful for it at the time for instilling discipline. So, so those those habits, can yeah. you mention those? Mm, absolutely. I basically would just practice, practice, practice. Nothing would get in the way of me being the best actress I could possibly be. Mm -hmm. It was almost a life and death situation in my mind that if I did not make it in the acting world, there was nothing left. And looking back, it was my whole identity. Right. Being an actress, being able to embody and play those roles um, and connect. It was my form of connection. Okay, to and what? To people and to meaning and purpose. Okay. Um, this sort of extroverted world of stories and sparkles and just vibrancy it, it was almost just like freedom and every time you tapped into that big dance number or that song it was just tasting a touch of freedom and pure presence and connection and i guess it's just that's maybe why people go to the theater right to shut out the norms of everyday life or to explore those emotions that they themselves don't want to face. So they'll watch someone else literally play them out on a stage. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not every musical or play is is cheerful and, and uh, a happy story. Actually, most of them aren't. If we look at things like Shakespeare um, and even a lot of the musicals that were derived from Shakespeare, a lot of them are sort of tragedies. But people are drawn to them time and time and time again. You know, Shakespeare is still surviving today after so long mm -hmm. because it is an outlet, an emotional outlet for people to understand those emotions that maybe don't make sense in their own minds and, and beings. Yeah, it makes, makes perfect sense. Um, I still want to go back. It's interesting because you've, you've touched on those things and the, the external and that kind of validation of that sparkle that you mentioned, but were you quite a quiet kid? Did you want to use that as a projection of who you were? Do you know what? I think I was somewhat... Um, not paid that much attention to How as a child. Are you, are you one of 
two? Are you three? One of three. Okay. Um, yeah, three. My sister is ten years younger than me. My mm-hmm. brother two years older. So okay. obviously, for the you know the first ten years of my life, it's mm-hmm. just me and my brother. Sure. But uh, my parents split up when I was five. You know, a lot of sort of going back and forth, not quite knowing mm-hmm. where I belonged. I sort of moved house at least around twelve times before the age of sixteen. Right. So there wasn't so- a-, a solid location and looking back i would say i had an extremely happy childhood i had amazing parents amazing experiences but having been through some therapy myself i think i realized the reason i really wanted to become an actress and it meant so much for me was a way of being seen and heard Mm -hmm. and to tell my story Mm -hmm. and to feel uh importance that's not to say i wasn't loved by my parents Mm -hmm. i was incredibly loved by my parents but the stability and the constant was not there Mm -hmm. whereas if you think about it a musical or a show especially if you're in in a professional setting it's eight shows a week Mm -hmm. it's the same show you know what the other person's going to say next you know the entire script in fact you know the next number you know the next move it's incredibly predictable yet you are living completely in the moment mm-hmm. when you are actually playing out that scene. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It does make sense, yeah. yeah. So looking back, why I chose that path makes perfect sense. Um, but this actually brings us to to a point in, in my story in that the pandemic completely halted um, a lot of people's performing careers because everything apart from supermarkets somewhat shut down. Um and my identity felt like it was taken away from me. Did it really? Yeah, completely. I, I had an identity crisis. Interestingly... So who were you before? You were the performer? The performer, were... the showgirl. Oh. Everyone saw me as Georgie, the showgirl. If you'd have seen me about three years ago, I would not have left the house without a full face of makeup, usually a red lip, curled hair, you know, um, kind of very dressed up, Some really taking some time to get ready. It was important to me. Um, and that was instilled in us through theatre school, actually, is that you never know when there's going to be a casting or an audition. So, you know, put your best appearance forward. Was that the healthiest thing to instill into a young teenager at the time? I'm not sure because my appearance was more important to me than what I was actually uh, feeling internally. But it was this front, it was this armor, I suppose, where I felt unstoppable, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was previous me you know whereas I'm sat here now and and you'll now see me in a comfy jumper some leggings and you know trainers because it's just I prefer the the minimal the the natural the natural way it feels more authentic and I really feel like now I'm sat here as my authentic self but it's taking me at least the last three years of exploring some very dark places to find that sure so those three years of of change, if you like. Prior to that, were you saying you were? It was a mask. It was a filter. You were trying to be someone else. I was trying to be what every other person wanted me to be. Right. Yeah. Do you think that's um, the musical theatre industry? That was the performance industry per se. I think so. You know, and I have taken a break for a while. I'm actually considering now only just stepping back into it because I feel so grounded in my authentic self, and I feel I can approach it from that place now. But Yes, at the time, I was like a chameleon. I would be or try and be whatever that director 
envisioned in his mind as that perfect lead role but that then filtered into I would show up to one friendship group or a set of friends and be whoever I thought they wanted to be I'd come home and I'd wear exactly what I thought my mom wanted to see right that then left me when I was alone in this place of oh so I don't have any choreography or direction here how how do I navigate this uh-huh. and so then I live my life at a million miles an hour. You would never not see me somewhere in a dance class, teaching a fitness class, giving that sort of performance. My my entire life was a performance. Right. And I had no idea how exhausted I was right. until I stopped. Okay. Um, and when and did you stop? The pandemic. That was the pandemic. Okay. Yeah, it, it hit and... Um, I was doing my master's at the time in London in straight acting. I decided I'd like to venture from musicals more into sort of Shakespeare, theatre, film, that sort of sort of way. Um, I loved the sort of detective work of delving into a character. And that's where my actual academic side started to blossom and come out. I realised I loved writing. I loved language. I loved science. Mm-hmm. And what was the psychology behind these people? What, what was going on? What was their family history? And started to really connect to that. And it opened up a new side of me that was a little more introspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found I started to, I was actually working on a cruise ship at the time. So I was in the middle of the Bahamas. Right. But reading into like the history of Shakespeare, this enormous book and sat in a room or a, or a coffee shop, wherever I was on my own for hours, just lost in this book. And I was like, mm, this is different. Okay. And I didn't need to be anyone then um, because it was just me and this sort of information that I was absorbed in, I suppose. Yeah. So who is, who is Georgie now then? So I guess it kind of helps to explain that, and I think this is significant for a lot of women as well, in that about four months prior to the, pa- to the pandemic, I came off the contraceptive pill, the combined contraceptive pill. Mm-hmm. I was on that since I was 15 and I came off it at the age of 25. So Quite I took it for time. 10 years. Sure. And having actually done a lot of research into the pill, I didn't realize that it somewhat suppresses um, the production of your reproductive hormones, um, obviously as a form of contraception. But I had no idea how communicative your hormones were and how much our endocrine system, that house of hormones and the nervous system, is very much um, a huge player in every urge, every thought we have, our whole experience of reality. So I came off the pill and I would say that was a huge part of my identity crisis. I don't think it's any coincidence that I came off the pill, suddenly decided I needed a career change, that this wasn't for me anymore, this performing acting thing. I remember I I actually, that's when I went to see a therapist because I kept crying, but for no reason, like something great would happen and I would convulsively cry something bad would happen I convulsively cry nothing really would happen at all and I would just I had no control of my emotions and I was having thoughts and feelings nothing any that that I'd label as as good or bad very ordinary ones but I didn't recognize the voice in my own mind anymore and that was terrifying because it was who on earth who on earth am I right And I spoke to some really wonderful, supportive women um, who specialize in women's health. And they explained to me that I was experiencing hormones that I'd never felt before as an adult or producing or experiencing the full spectrum of my emotional being 
as an as a female adult and that that was actually something to be celebrated sure. and to really listen to and once i did surrender to that and with the help of a wonderful therapist called anastasia um i started to get to know this girl who actually is somewhat of an extroverted introvert who yeah loves to be a part of a community is so important connection but also being by myself in nature listening grounding moving reading is so important to me mm-hmm. and um this scientific brain just exploded where i felt this yearning for information i'd never felt before and that's when um the oxygen advantage the book sort of was just recommended to me on amazon i was, I was sort of bored in lockdown i was like, all right give it a read and uh it was just this enormous explosion. I was angry that I didn't know that information before. Okay. Um, in terms of the simplicity of what I was reading, but the effectiveness on such a spectrum of people. And so coming back to your question of who am I now, I would say I'm still figuring it out, but I've certainly come to accept the parts of myself that I had avoided for at least 10 to 15 years of someone who actually needed to be recognized, needed to be liked by everyone. Mm -hmm. I am really proud to say that now I am okay with the fact that not everyone's going to like you and not everyone's going to agree with you and Mm -hmm. that that is okay. And that not every day is going to be a good day either. Mm. Yeah. It's just, as you were talking there, the immediate thing that always jumps out to me is well, we're living, which is social media. It's, uh, uh-huh. it's a platform of, of validation. Um, this kind of attention economy that people want, need, and like to be yeah. recognized. And uh, look, don't get me wrong. Recognition is, is probably one of the greatest things we can have. You know, children want recognition. Look at me, daddy, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. But there has to be a point to your, to your point. There has to be a point where you have to be in love with yourself, mm-hmm. be at one with yourself to, mm-hmm. to think, you know what? I don't really care about what everyone else thinks because I know what's important to me. Well, that's a really important point you just made there because loving yourself is a phrase that's really thrown around these days in people who say, yeah, you know, I take loads of selfies. I love myself. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. But if you don't get 50 likes on that selfie, will you still love yourself or not? Is it relevant? Because I think the definition of loving yourself actually is just freedom from your external circumstances and environment. And if you can find that, I call it core confidence. And that's really what I work with a lot of my breathwork clients on is if you can find a confidence where someone could take away and, you know, God forbid, but if someone could take away your house, all of your material items, your clothes, your money, your uh, food, your comfy blanket, whatever brings you comfort, if all that disappeared, could you still feel a sense of wholeness and acceptance within yourself? Or would you feel like your world has fallen apart? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's an extreme example. But if we look at that on a smaller level, you know, if a relationship breaks down or if a business idea or a job doesn't work out that you thought would in the acting, for example, if you didn't get that role, something that at the time, interestingly, with my old self, that would have been, you know, three days on an extreme low of 
I'm worth nothing, you know, I just wasn't good enough, this is never going to happen, to now going, thank you, thank you so much. And I have spoken to a fair amount of teenagers on this journey and a lot of things around bullying will come up. And what I say to them is, if someone comes up to you and says something that is mean or degrading, thank them. Say, thank you so much. And I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you. And see just how they react. Just they, see how they uh, respond. Are they going to get punched in the face? Yeah, well, we hope not. But if someone comes up to you and says, you're really, really stupid, and you go, oh, thank you for acknowledging that. I actually think I, I'm perfectly intelligent and I, I really love everything I do. But thank you for your opinion. Um, and please move on. to a, I'm not saying that you know, you should just sit there and take insults. But I think personally, that is an example of core confidence to be able to, you know, get those horrible trolls on social media to be able to, um, you know, have something said to you that perhaps would knock you and be somewhat bulletproof in your response in terms of, Thank you for acknowledging that, but I am so aware that any person that says something degrading to anyone else is just holding up a sign that says, hey, here's all my insecurities on a plaque and I'm just going to project them onto you. Is that cool? And you go, yeah, I'll hold space for that for five minutes, but I don't really have the time and energy. Mm. So I'm just going to move on with my day. Thank you so much. Yeah, makes sense. So you touched on the fact that you had this moment and you then read the book that mm. really sort of gave you an understanding or a perspective of, of difference oh my goodness, why have I not been aware of this? Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about the book and how that led you on to becoming who you are now. 100%. So this phrase that I swear was said to me at least seven times within the space of six weeks um, was so synchronistic. It, it was insane. Less is more was said to me throughout the entirety of my performing career. Great, but just a little bit less. Tone it down a bit. Great. Trying a bit too hard. Tone it down a bit. The whole concept of the oxygen advantage is about less is more. The less you breathe, the more oxygen is actually absorbed into your tissues, muscles, cells, and organs. It's the opposite of what people think. And it's actually going against this capitalist view of more is more. Um, the more you do, the better it is, the bigger, the better. And that has almost leaked into our perception of breathing with everyone um, knowing this deep breath to be such this this huge sucking in of air and blowing it out which actually you know is only going to space you out and probably stress you out a little bit more so learning that less is more with breathing and actually putting that into practice learning to breathe through my nose to breathe light it gave me space to sit with myself my actual self to not have to try to do anything or be anyone for the first time in my adult life. Wow. So anyone listening is probably thinking, oh, Greg, hang on a minute. And am I not breathing right? And what you're saying is most people probably aren't. So mm. what I would ask you to, to tell us is, is how should we actually be breathing? 100%. So functional breathing has three key elements. 
cadence or psychophysiological because uh, our emotions heavily influence or our um, response to any sort of external stimuli heavily influences the speed, the tempo that we're breathing. Anyone will notice when they become stressed, their breathing increases, it gets a little bit faster. When you're pretty chilled out, it's probably a lot slower to give a very basic example. Then there's the biomechanics and then there's the biochemistry. So that is the balance of carbon dioxide and oxygen in your lungs and in your blood. Carbon dioxide is the catalyst for the release of oxygen from your hemoglobin. So your hemoglobin is that oxygen carrying molecule like the cruise ship that sort of goes on tour around your body about 24,000 times a day. And if you think of the oxygen as the passengers that get off to your tissues, muscles, cells, and organs. Now, if we're huffing and puffing, if we're over breathing, and by the way, you don't need to be breathing into a paper bag to be hyperventilating. It just means breathing in excess of your metabolic requirements less passengers, less oxygen will be offloaded from that hemoglobin. Uh, the bond between hemoglobin and oxygen will increase because your carbon dioxide levels will be lower. You're blowing it out. Everyone thinks that carbon dioxide is this waste gas. It's actually incredibly vital to life. A guy called James Nestor is uh, really, really making some great ground on this and really gaining some some traction on social media, talking about um, how carbon dioxide is a great source of, of life, actually, um, because uh, it really, really is so, so related to how much oxygen we are absorbing. It's not about the air you breathe in. It's about how much oxygen actually makes it to tissues, muscles, cells, and organs. So to really put it simply, functional breathing, it's nasal, it's light, it's diaphragmatic, it's silent, it's slow with a slight pause after the exhalation. But the key thing here is that it's effortless. And now I have an awareness of what functional breathing is. My perception to the outside world, to look at everyone around me, knowing that about 85 to 90% of the population are overbreathing, I can see how much I used to try at everything and how much the whole world is really still trying. I'm not saying that I'm not. I'm not this this god of breath now that's perfect in everything I do. I slip up on a day-to-day -day basis. But it's just the pure awareness of noticing how everybody is breathing, walking around, and sh just seeing how much effort there is in the world today to be something, to be someone, this FOMO. FOMO didn't exist 50 years ago. True, true. Right? You know, this. you didn't need to, to know what someone in Croatia was doing at, at their New Year's Eve party two days, however many days ago it was. You know, you didn't need to be scrolling through and suddenly there's this fear that we need to be up to date with everything. Otherwise, we're missing out and we, we need to show everyone every element of our lives. And this pace of, you know, a new iPhone coming out every five minutes. It's wonderful. And it, technology is wonderful. We couldn't do this without it. But it's no wonder that our breathing has sped up significantly and is probably, unless we have an intervention, speeding up um, over time as the, the technological age develops. And um, that's why I think people telling stories like you, psychologists, um, you know, breath work, mindfulness, yoga teachers, anyone in the world of wellness just driving forward this slowing, this less is more, this 
authenticity and grounding is vital in this world we're in today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Do you know, uh, just listening to you makes you understand that breath is so important. Mm. And I wonder, um, and this is something that um, I think will be really important to our listeners, I wonder, and I'm sure there's a correlation here, has breath and your understanding of breath work made you calmer and and, and, and directly a kinder person? A hundred percent. Because compassion and awareness are completely hand in hand. And I remember talking to people that knew me pretty well in the years that I was in the acting industry, in the modeling industry. And I truly had this laser focus on the only goal was to be in the West End. It didn't matter what I had to do to get it. It, That was the only goal. And you know, it's such a cutthroat industry where it is driven into you that you constantly have to prove that you are better than other people. And I'm not, I don't want to down the performing industry here. It is a wonderful community of people. I'm more, what I'm talking about is how I was perceiving it in that my reality of that world was that if you are not the best, then you're nothing and you may as well just go home. And so I saw everyone else as a threat or competition. It was an incredibly lonely existence mm. of, you know, and I I had a very distant relationship with my family. Um, I had friends, but it was a very surface level. You know, there was always somewhat, I think on many ends, a, a alter ego there or a, a uh, ultimatum. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say now my levels of kindness and compassion, breathwork has allowed me to see people now, truly see them and accept them for everything that they are. Even we, we're always going to come across people that we don't agree with or we don't have the same values as, um, of course, that's so normal. But to be in this place of an open heart, an open mind, a wonderful book I read by a a wonderful Tibetan monk called Sonia Rinpoche, and just appreciating that everyone is living in their own version of reality and that there's no wrong or there's no right. It is, you know, can you sit there and just allow someone to be where they're at in full acceptance? And there's so much joy in that. Um, and it opens you up to this uh, beginner's mind, which, you know, from that, that practice of Zen, which I love as well, this beginner's mind of, uh, I know nothing and I have something to learn from everyone. Whereas previous me was, uh, I will act as if I know everything Interesting. to impress everyone, prove myself constantly and wing every situation because you're taught as an actress if someone says uh could you stand on one leg on a horse riding backwards you'd say of course and then you go get some riding lessons after you get the role it's all you know it's all about winging it and you know being whatever they want you to be whereas now um you know i just am what i am and i i really i consider myself a beginner in breath work you know, people, I'm a master instructor of the Oxygen Advantage. Yes, you know, I teach a lot of people functional breathing, but I could study one nostril for the rest of my life and I would only probably have learned about 15% of it. There's so much to learn. Um, and I really think we are all 
beginners in in this world especially of of this world of quick fixes and you know instant amazon deliveries and and all all the rest um just eat there's i think taking time and learning um being open to lessons and failure being open to failure uh, they're probably the biggest changes i've experienced so georgie the question that I ask then is, what does kindness actually mean to you then now that you have a, a full understanding of how breath has impacted on your life? Oh my gosh, kindness. You know, that's a loaded question for me, but kindness, I would say, is authenticity. Kindness to self, because I don't believe kindness means that you are always what people perceive as being kind. I think kindness sometimes involves setting strong boundaries, sometimes involves leaving that relationship that isn't serving either of you anymore, sometimes involves changing the career that your family always hoped you would do. Um, So kindness to me, I think means accepting yourself fully for where you're at and accepting that you have something to learn from every single person and every single experience. So you're in a situation now, you read people as open and and I'm trying to think of the, the, the framing what uh, what you're saying as I'm, as I'm hearing it. Mm. So you meet people and you, you take people as open and kind in general or do you feel as if that... You meet, you meet people and you'll judge them on how they judge you? Well, I don't think I meet people and assume that they are, you know, the, the kindest and most generous person in the world. I, I, I like to see the best in people for sure, but I see it more as a neutral ground that I used to look at people And like everyone or most people do, you pigeonhole them into a certain uh, character. That's natural, of course. Um, You'll know more about that than me in terms of, you know, our perception and and how we categorize people that even they say, similarly to talking about acting and auditions, that, you know, usually they know if you're suitable for the role or not within about five seconds of you walking in the room just from looking at you. Um, Because uh, I can't remember the exact numbers, but what's it that... However much of communication is it 89% is body language or something. And it was around between four and 6% that was actually the words that you say. But in terms of how I meet people, it's now in this form. And you know what? My favorite thing about the breath is that it is the most universal language on the planet. Everybody and everything breathes, regardless of your race, your gender, your sexual preference, your uh, any category you could put someone else in, whether they're coming up to me in a dirty, shaggy coat or, you know, wearing Jimmy Choo's and Prada. It doesn't matter because we are all one and we are all breathing. And that one acknowledgement, I think, changed the way I perceive people, if that makes sense in general, in that we are all connected and that you're a beginner in terms of who you meet, what you know, what you see, 
there's always room for growth and learning with everyone. And this doesn't mean because I have, I, this is something I've learned recently myself. This doesn't mean that now I'm a pushover, (laughs) that I meet people and just uh, take whatever they have to throw at me, that it more means that I will always see someone as they are. But if they give me a reason to put up a strong boundary, I have that core confidence now, which actually I didn't have before because I was a consistent people pleaser. Got it. And would let people walk all over me. Mm-hmm. Now I have the core confidence, the kindness to myself to put up a strong boundary. Does that make sense? It's a very long-winded sense. answer. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. And I think that's um, something that, um, you know, those of you listening should really just take a moment and just really think about what was just said there. It's about being true to yourself. That core confidence is really almost the, the, the bedrock of what makes you who you are now, if, I, if I'm right in understanding what you said. I would say so. And I, yeah, I, I would completely agree that if you, let's use, you know, the classic example of dating. If you meet a guy that you find incredibly attractive and in your mind you decide maybe before you've even spoke to them, that if they accept you, you will have a high view of yourself. And if they don't, you will not, because you have projected this idea that, you know, your mm, happiness depends on someone else's opinion of you. If we reverse that, that you approach someone and say, wow, I acknowledge that that man is incredibly beautiful or that woman, you know, whichever way. And you maybe approach them with this view of I just want to engage with this person and let them know that they look really great today regardless they might not even respond that's okay I feel this impulse I'm going to follow it confidently regardless of the outcome doesn't matter Mm. because and that to me is true freedom it's tough though right oh my gosh it's so it's, it's a daily challenge but those micro wins, right? Mm-hmm, sure. Could sure. you do one thing every single day that scares the poop out of you mm-hmm. and not be interested or attached to the outcome? Yeah, tricky, tricky. But you're right. It's, it's stepping into that moment and just going, you know what? Why not? Why, Why not? not? What's, the, what's, the, you know, what's the expression? What's the least you can do? You know, yeah. if you fail, you've learned something. That's what I mean, though. How, how would we all live our lives if instead of going, oh, what if we actually said, why not? You know, I remember once I, uh, I was sat opposite this guy on a train who I, I thought was really attractive. And um, he went to the toilet. He was reading a book and I wrote my number down on a piece of paper and put it in. The oh, bit of his book M-G. that he was reading. Um, and I wow. was shaking like a leaf. But that is an example of when <laughs> a part of me went, yeah, why not? What's the worst thing that can happen? Yeah, what? okay, he has a girlfriend. Oh, okay. Oh, right. well, you know, it's cute and it's funny and we can laugh and whatever. Wow. I'll probably never see him again. It doesn't matter. Everyone listening wants to know what <laughs> happened, George. Did you get a call? <laughs> Actually, you know what? I got a text about three minutes later. So I, I was so almost like, oh my goodness, what have you just done? You, you, do you think your life is a movie? Did you, I, did you leg it? Did you run away or did you stay in the same place? So we were just pulling into King's Cross and I got off the train and I got this text saying, I hope that was for me. And about a minute later, this tap on the shoulder going, um, 
hey, did you want to grab a drink? Get out. And I ended up on a date. Love that. Yeah. But this is what I mean. You know, that, and it turns out, you know, that situation didn't work out. It doesn't matter. The the core of that moment gave me a micro win of confidence, core confidence of, I don't think I could have done that unless I had fully accepted that if it had gone horribly embarrassingly wrong, I could have gone for a drink with my mate and laughed the heck out of it <laughs> that evening. Do you know what I mean? Breathwork, everybody. Goodness <laughs> me. Wow. Give me the confidence to write your number down. Wow. I don't think, have I ever done that? Have I done that? Uh, do you know what? I don't think I... I've ever done that. I think I'm certainly not in a position now, 20 years in with my lovely wife. I don't think I'm in a position to, uh, to do that. But goodness me, wow, that is definitely something. If, listen, if you're listening to this and you think, you know what, I like that person, do it. Yeah. Do like it. how many times lose. a day, you know, if you're single, do you sort of pass someone you think, hmm. You know, right. there's a little look there sure. and maybe in, you know, at the Hoxton brunch bar where we're sat in the beautiful brunch bar today. Maybe you're sat eating your poached eggs and, you know, you see someone and think, oh, little spark there. Why, what really is the big deal about just popping over and saying, hey, I just wanted to let you know that you look great today. Wow. Or you have an incredible smile. Or even, why does it have to be someone you fancy? No, true. If you're in line at, you know, the Hoxton for your flat whites and you see this lady and you say, hey, great shoes. Hey, what book are you reading? Hey, like, how's your day going? Sorry, go on. I was interrupted. I was going to say, I'm I'm more confident enough to compliment someone on their dress or ask about their the book that they're reading but I think it's difficult because when it comes to relating and dating oh yeah you really are opening up yourself that's so vulnerable to others. it's different saying oh nice book what are you reading yeah but to really be open to say hi I find you attractive and not necessarily from a physical point of view just uh, there's something about you that I really like mm. you really have to be confident per se but you really have to step outside of that comfort zone yeah i would actually say you have to be confident with everything that you perceive that you almost don't like about yourself because surely that's accepting that if it goes horribly wrong then it's it's not going to affect your ability to (laughs) you know progress through the rest of your day and i think once you gain that core confidence in that, you know, one of my favorite books is is Mark Manson, The Subtle Art of Not Giving Up, mm-hmm. is, you know, that book really, really changed my perception along with breathwork and everything else. Because it's that it's not about not caring, but it's about choosing where you put your energy and where mm-hmm. you what you invest your focus in. And are you really going to invest your focus in that person that you've known for a full two minutes that perhaps didn't reciprocate the attraction for the rest of the week? that suddenly, you know, you now cannot go on another date for mm. an entire year? Sure. Really? Yeah. You know, yeah. or actually, really, is it thank you so much? Because thank goodness we didn't go on a date, because if you really don't find me attractive, then there's no point. But can I just bring up, what do we do on these dating apps? Swipe, swipe, swipe. Isn't that exactly the same thing? But of course, we have the mask of a smartphone to hide behind to be able to judge someone's picture to and people are ruthless on those apps right that's a pretty ruthless thing to do to go no 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 
But to be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. <laughs> Shout out to my wife there. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> I, I but know. I'm I'm 26, so right. in my generation, you know, there's it has such a. It's almost, especially in London, you know, one of my friends just called it. Well, it's the only way to date because how else do you meet right. people? But right. you know, would a lot more people, especially in these these kind of times we find ourselves in, where there seems to be such a lack of connection, mm. if people were more willing to put themselves out there a little bit more to fail, to be rejected, to, you know, not have the outcome they desire. If you do that over and over and over and over again with anything, if if you go for that course you're scared, to, you don't think you're intelligent enough to take, if you go for that um, idea that maybe your parents sort of disregarded as silly and you're like, actually, I really believe in this, and you go for it and it doesn't work out, then you're going to sort of take a whole load of life lessons and a whole lot of growth from that experience where, yeah, maybe the outcome wasn't what you expected. But, you know, every single failure, I don't know about you, Tim, but I've learned a whole lot more from every failure I've made Absolutely. and every trip Absolutely. up I've made than any success. Like a success, yeah, I have a have a big high you know it's it's it feels amazing um but when i've got up from face down on the floor is really that's really i think what has brought me to where i am today so the question i ask next then is um what is it that we can teach our listeners mm. that would allow them to get up off the floor what, what advice would you give them what i would say is Social media fills us with the expectation to be positive all of the time. There's so many positive quotes. There's so much about writing a gratitude list, etc. What I would say is that ups and downs of life are necessary. If we were up all the time, life would be miserable. But when we do come to those lows, rather than expecting to come back to the top of Mount Everest, back onto, oh, I wish I could just feel that that high again. I used to laugh so much. I used to love life. Sure, you will get there, but could you just bring yourself back to neutral? And if you can get there, then take your next step from there. And that's really what I see breathwork as, uh, something as simple as, say, an exercise called five-second breath holds, taking a gentle breath in, a gentle breath out, holding your breath for five seconds, breathing normally for 10 seconds repeatedly. It really neutralizes, it really balances the nervous system, helps to regulate breathing biochemistry, increases blood flow to the brain, etc. Just really brings you more into a parasympathetically dominant state where you can see a slightly wider perception rather than having a narrow focus on, on the problem at hand. And just using that little integration to come back to neutral and only expecting that of yourself rather than seeing yourself as a failure. This is what I realized is that during those lows, I was expecting myself to be in this sparky sunshine shining out of my ass place of positivity, whereas actually... Now, if I'm in a low to go, do you know what, babe, just come back up to neutral, do a bit of breath work and go through the day a bit slower today. Have mm. a bit more self-compassion for yourself. You don't need to uh, go to that social event if you don't feel like it. You can have more of a day just reading and just being with yourself. That's okay. And then maybe tomorrow 
you feel a little bit better and then a little bit better and mm. a little bit better. And that patience, that practice and that expectation to just come back to neutral, that's how I would say personally um, from experience and everyone's experience is unique, but I think the expectation to come back to neutral rather than being this ball of positivity is the way we truly bring ourselves back from a low I get that. Yeah, no, I get that. I'm thinking again, as you, I'm listening to what you're saying and I'm hearing two voices in a strange way. I'm hearing what you said about the Georgie before mm. breath and understanding of breath work and the Georgie after, which leads me to um, the, the second question we ask our guests, which is, uh, you know, if you were to die tomorrow, what would you do differently to be the kindest in the room? And I think you would answer that differently with Georgie pre-breath work, perhaps, and, and Georgie now. But I'd be interesting at your your thoughts and your response to how you would be a different person, how you would act differently mm. if you were going to die tomorrow. Yeah. So how I would die tomorrow as previous Georgie and as me now. Yeah. Yeah. Previous Georgie, I associated uh, being liked with being happy. So being uh, the kindest version of myself Honestly, probably I would see as uh, having the most friends and being the center of attention. Me now, what would I do if I was to die tomorrow? Mm. I think, you know, I would probably connect with every single person that I'm incredibly grateful for in my life, um, which now actually my circle of people is pretty small, um, but very authentic, very supportive. That's not to say I, you know, lashed out any friends. I still have a wonderful, huge number of acquaintances, but people I really spend my time with and give my authentic energy to are quite small, quite, uh, quite small. So if I were to die tomorrow, I would tell everyone that are close to me um, how grateful I am for them. And you know what? I would probably just sit in a place of incredible natural beauty and just be. Because life is freaking awesome in terms of when you... Do you know what? This really sums up what Breathwork gave to me. When you acknowledge that less is more and you slow down, you realize actually that the most important thing is number one, everything that is inside you and everything that is already there. You can go to Bali and sit on a beach and do meditation. It will feel amazing. But you can also just go sit in some grass, close your eyes, take a breath, completely be with yourself and come back to that place whenever so what would I do <laughs> connect with everyone I love dance more laugh more give less poops um about uh little things that I still let get to me that yes I'm still working on um and just love the little things less is more changed my life completely and the simpler the better it always, it always proves to be the thing that makes me most happy. 
Now, if I find myself with points of low, usually I'm like, ah, I need to simplify. I'm doing too much. I'm trying too hard again. Bring it back. You know, go for a run. Amen to that. And this sort of stage in the show where we ask what the the final question, which is what one piece of advice would you give somebody to live a kinder life? Mm. Do less, breathe less, stretch less. (laughs) Stretch less? Stretch less. Really? Yeah, 100%. A great um, mentor of mine is a really famous physiotherapist. He calls Simon Borg-Olivia, definitely worth a Google. Um, That's actually his phrase, do less, stretch less, um, breathe less. But in the sense of uh, working with your body, how many of us are really working out uh, to try and be as good as the person next to us or try and be as good as that picture we saw on Instagram? Can't we just be with what we can do? Um, you know, and actually, it, if we really look into the science of it, which I w- won't delve into now, but, you know, is that's really how we send good energy and loving information throughout the body is by being in a state of calm, even if we're running a marathon, even if we're um, putting exertion on ourselves, if we can do it from this state of calm and bliss, then we're working with our body rather than fighting um, against it. So the one piece of advice I would really uh, give to someone to be the kindest version of themselves is less is more, expect less of yourself. And that is not to say that you expect yourself to fail. Maybe it is, but it's not saying you expect yourself to be a lesser person. It's more that can you meet yourself where you're at and just focus on the next step on that long bridge to where you want to go rather than looking at the other side and thinking, why aren't I there? Am I going to get there? When am I going to get there? Just focus on the next little step and can you be completely content with that? Because I don't know about anyone else, but I don't want to look back in 30, 40 years and, you know, be this old lady that realized that I spent my entire life trying to be what? More? (laughs) Bigger? Better? What? And what is everyone actually trying to be? I'm not quite sure. I don't think anyone really is. And so just to be the best version of yourself and just be really, find a contentment with wherever you are. I think that's how we move forward in the times that we're in right now. Love that. I love that. <laughs> Georgie, with that being said, you, you have been the kindest in the room. Oh, Thank you for sharing your so story. Sweet. I Thank really appreciate you. that. Where can uh, our listeners uh, reach out to you or find out a little bit more about what you're doing? Yeah, so I am on Instagram as Breathe with Georgie, a uh, little underscore under each word. Um, I am on YouTube, same name, Breathe with Georgie. I have my own podcast, which I have to get you on, Tim. I'm pleasure. sure we'll have a, a wonderful a, conversation on that yeah. as well, called Just Breathe, um, all about. Um, how breath and awareness really is at the core of everything. Breathing is the most important biological function we have. And I've interviewed dentists, triathletes, uh, CEOs, so many different um, people. And every single person has something to say about breath and uh, the way it has, uh, whether they realize it or not, impacted their lives in some way. 
Um, so yeah, I also have a website, same name, Breathe with Georgie. Um, I'm running a course in February on female breathing with the Oxygen Advantage, all about getting women more in touch with their menstrual cycle and uh, using functional breathing techniques to reconnect with their bodies and using their hormones as superpowers rather than being a victim of their own bodies as the media often puts it um so yeah that's me and i'm just excited for where this journey is gonna go and i'm just so grateful for coming and chatting to you today it's been awesome no listen it's an absolute pleasure and i, I told you it would be a good one um <laughs> you, you listen listen back to this Pass it on to your friends, pass it on to anyone you really believe will take full advantage of this. And um, if there's any one lesson um, I've taken from this is you know, being that core resilience, you know, that core confidence. That's one of the key words I've taken from this. Uh, Georgie, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Tim. You have been the kindest in the room. Thanks again. <laughs> take care. Bye. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.